0: Welcome back to Mental Status, a podcast created by psychology students for psychology students. We're your hosts, Yash.
1: And I'm Josh.
0: Our aim is to demystify the pathway to becoming a psychologist and share with you what we've learned along the way. Today's episode has been so highly anticipated, our Honours Survival Guide. This is one of the most challenging parts of becoming a psychologist and it's time we broke it down so you know exactly what to expect and how you can best survive. Josh and I completed our Honours in Psychology in 2021 and we were both able to achieve a first class Honours mark. Josh did really well and ended up winning a thesis commendation prize for the thesis with the highest mark in his cohort.
1: And Yash didn't do too, too bad either, getting the Honours Exceptional Achievement Award, which was for getting in the top 10% of your cohort, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And a higher thesis mark than me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that we both have some valuable information to share. At the end of this episode, we will be answering some listener questions. So, if you would like your question answered in future episodes, you can follow us on at Mental Status Podcast on Instagram. Whilst we're prepping for episodes and planning for episodes, we'll put out question boxes so you can respond to see what we kind of talk about in our episodes. Um, and it's just a great way to yeah answer your questions directly. So you can find us on there.
1: Okay. Now, with all that being said, I think we should do our mental status. It's been a few weeks for us since we've actually
0: been doing that. It
1: would be good to give maybe a little bit of context for everyone. Mm. I mean, it probably comes as no surprise, but we've hit our kind of peak week Mm -hmm. and we're in our final semester and yeah, we're probably running on fumes a little bit when Mm -hmm. it comes to everything. And yeah, so we apologize for not getting an episode out, I think it was last week or whatnot and we apologize if this one comes out late but that's all part of the parcel you're getting the, you're yeah. getting the student experience that's what yeah. you're game for
0: it's yeah I guess I'll start with with mine yeah um yeah so like Josh said we haven't really been as active I suppose in the last few weeks it's just been so intense and you know I've talked I've touched on the previous episodes about where my mental health has been and oh, like I really want to just come on here and be like it's fine like I'm getting through it I'm always there like I'm feeling better but that wouldn't be honest and I really am not trying to like scare people away from the program I think a lot of the experiences I've had have been connected to like things unique to me right so it's it won't be the same experience that everyone will have but I have been doing worse (laughs) than the previous weeks and yeah it's been such a test to my resilience and my strength to make it through but the only reason why I think I am is because I have the people around me I just
1: yeah there's a good network there
0: I have no words like how people have shown up for me like these past few weeks and I feel so incredibly lucky that I'm not going through this alone.
1: Yes, yeah, so every check-in message and every offer of kind deeds is really, uh, that. the thought of that has really meant more than anything else.
0: Yeah, it's honestly what has kept me going. I think I would have given up a long time ago yeah. if I didn't have like Josh or anyone else like helping me and like, yeah, so I just feel really lucky that despite going through like such a horrible time in my life, I think it's just shown me. The support that's there and even even if like a lot of that has also been reaching out right and telling people like I'm actually not doing well I'm struggling like can I please have help because people sometimes don't know until you tell them so that's been a interesting exercise for me to because I think I'm quite like I'll just get it done I was gonna
1: say you're not one to ask for help but people want to help when you ask
0: people want to help and like people genuinely want to help and I it's just helped me, like, appreciate so much and, like, going in the future and when I do get out of this, because this will pass, and that's what people have told me, telling me, just tell yourself that yeah. this will pass.
1: It's a very fortunate thing for you that you're able to look at it that way.
0: Yeah, I, I, it is really fortunate, but knowing that when someone else is in this same pit that I'm in right now, being like, I can, I, like, want to be that for for other people, which is, I guess, the psych work that we do, right? So... Whilst it is difficult to be going through it right now, I know on the other side of it, I will be a better person for it. Um, And also exciting stuff is still happening in my life. Again, what's helping me like keep going with this. I've got a TED talk literally tomorrow. Um, I wasn't
1: sure if you were going to say it or not.
0: No. Yeah. It's huge. It's really important to me. And just
1: the fact you've been able to get to the TED talk, you've been able to pull this together.
0: And memorize it. And like the TED Talk experience is very involved. Like it's a lot of workshops and training and all this kind of thing. Um, I've had to miss quite a few because of just everything that's been going on. But the fact, yeah, yesterday we had dress rehearsals um, and I got up and I, I did my speech and it was really emotional and moving and healing for me. And I'm just so proud of myself. Yeah. And I'm so excited. If you want to see it, I will, I don't know, maybe put a link to it. In the show notes, if you want to have a look, it's about. Yeah, unpaid
1: hopefully, hopefully, it's been published by then. By then, yeah. But at some point, we will make sure to share. Yeah. You know what? You should put it on the um, Instagram.
0: Ah, uh, yep, yeah, I'll put it on the Instagram. Instagram, Instagram bio, bio when it's, a, it's published. Oh, that's a good idea on my link tree or something. Um, but it's I'm so excited to be talking about my experience with unpaid placement and the impact that it's had on myself, my friends, and I guess in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I'm excited.
1: (laughs) Just really quickly, an observation that I've noticed is whenever you go over your speech, it's almost like that would bring you back. You'd be feeling really down and Mm. um, yeah, just upset about everything going on and really doubting yourself a lot. Mm. But then when you would go over that speech, it almost brought you back to your why A lot, which I know is such a cliche, but it really did. Yes. You would do your speech and you'd be like, oh, it's just so nice to remember why I'm doing this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And on on Thursday when we had a dress, oh no, Friday we had dress rehearsals and and like Thursday was probably the lowest. I didn't even think I could get lower, but I just kept going down. (laughs) Thursday was the lowest that I have ever felt arguably in my entire life. And I've been through a lot, but this just really knocked me down really hard. Yeah. And the next day I had to get up and go to a full day of dress rehearsal oh, yeah. and do my speech. But initially I was like, oh, that's going to really, I don't know if I can do this. That's going to take it out of me. But, you know, when you're feeling uninspired, upset, motivated, you go to look at TED Talks, right? It's that its that thing that's there to help yeah. you through those really tough times. And just sitting in that auditorium, listening to these amazing people, like truly incredible people, 10 TED Talks, like what better place to be at? And I'm like, I'm so fortunate to be here, this place, this time with these people and the way our stories actually connect in so many ways. And we found, we're talking about it after like me and the other speakers, we found so much meaning in each other's talks and it helped us you know reflect on places that people had been in the past and me being able to see someone come out of such hardship and adversity and see them on the other side is just yeah i like words can't describe like that was where i was supposed to be after that horrible day like that friday was exactly where i'm supposed to be and yeah
1: and it's a credit to you that you were able to bounce back that quickly from your thursday Mm. the day that you had the turn turn around you've done has been pretty remarkable
0: thank you yeah has How, your week <laughs>
1: <laughs> just because of the time and I want to make sure that um we can get to the content mm-hmm. being really brief, I think that a lot of the things you talked about probably reflect my experience as well to play a devil's advocate in a sense I probably do now I, I feel a bit of an eye on the future we we talk more and more about it like this dream that we have of one day being on the other side but now it's really close
0: on a tropical island (laughs) yeah
1: particularly on a beach somewhere yes um but yeah i just i feel like while i am experiencing everything you're experiencing and the whole cohort probably anyone doing a master's is experiencing Mm. the exhaustion is absolutely real but i am just so excited (laughs) i'm so excited for how close it is right now it just feels like you know it's an arm's reach away so yeah, I think that's that probably sums us up pretty well, and maybe it's time we get into get into the honors episode, and you can explain a little bit about how we're gonna mm. split this one up.
0: There is so much tea we have in honors, so we're <laughs> gonna split it up into two parts. This first one will be focused on explaining like what is honors, why it's so dreaded, some practical tips that can help you get through it kind of holistically, um, and then we'll do a second part where we'll really go into that thesis and how you can set yourself up for success with the thesis.
1: I really like this structure and it's a survival guide, I guess, the two episodes, Mm. but this one is your foundation of, okay, you're going into it. This is what you're going to get. Exactly. So
0: let's get into it.
1: All right. Well, I guess beginning, we'll do a bit of an introduction to what is honors. So honors essentially is a research heavy year. I know you have a analogy you kind of compare it to that Mm. we'll get to in a sec, but It's a very research-heavy year with the thesis project that you're doing, and a big reason for that is that it's to align you with the scientist-practitioner model. So when you become a psychologist, assuming that's the path you go down, you adhere to incorporating evidence-based practice into your own clinical work. So that's kind of why it's giving you that critical analysis lens through everything you do and making sure you're incorporating that evidence in an effective way to inform how you act with clients, essentially. So it will go for one year full-time, two or so years part-time. I know a lot of people take their time, especially with the thesis Mm. component.
0: Some unis don't offer part-time honours. Don't they? No.
1: Oh, well, if you have to go part-time, don't go there. (laughs) Definitely check that out when you're applying to unis. Yeah, and as well as uh, you mentioned, I've just learned this, that the graduate diplomas can often be a little longer yeah yeah okay but anyway honours will still essentially have the same sort of familiarity that you have with regular university and undergraduate courses you know you'll have your units you'll have your classes assignments often exams very similar in structure and nature to undergraduate the main difference being that generally a couple of those units that you do each semester will actually be for the thesis. So there won't be necessarily classes for that, at least not in my experience. We had some sort of professional development optional classes instead. And you, yeah, use that time working on your thesis. So it was kind of a two thesis units, two other units sort of split across it. Mm-hmm. And it varies, of course, a little bit depending on what uni you go to. Mm-hmm.
0: I like to describe honours as a mini PhD. So it's very, very different to what you've done before because it's an ongoing project that you start at the start of the year and it's self-paced and you're Mm. um it takes a lot of skill, right? Because you've never had those harsh like deadlines before. You're you just have this big project due at the end and you have to structure your time. So it's a very different skill and I think another big different part is now those lecturers who are teaching you and you didn't really connect with because there were hundreds of other students now it's you and a lecturer in a room right it's an academic in the room working
1: relationship Mm -hmm.
0: so you've got a new supervisory relationship which is really different hard to navigate people don't tell you how to navigate it so hopefully this is helpful we'll get to it in a sec
1: but yeah I think um one thing which anyone who's going into it probably is feeling unless you are one of the very few who have had some sort of similar experience to a project like a thesis but i think for most people doing a thesis will be far and away the most daunting and large project you would have ever done it certainly is for me and for all i know it could be the most daunting project i may ever be involved in Mm. so maybe it's worth talking a little bit about why it is so dreaded why it Mm. is so scary and
0: Yeah, there's this huge unknown about honours, you know, there's that thesis and the idea of doing a project and doing data analysis and for some people coding and statistics, being kind of independent is kind of scary and there's so much pressure as well because you're like, okay, I need to firstly get into honours and then maintain those extremely high grades to then get into masters and there's so much pressure riding on every single assignment and it's not like you can just like submit whatever, right? You have to put a lot of effort into yeah. each one, and that's exhausting. And, and that, like, imagining all that work that you have to do can be so overwhelming from the start.
1: Yeah, it feels like there's very little margin for error, there's mm. very little leeway in anything that you're doing. Mm. What was a good point is what you said about, oh, actually running a project and doing the data analysis. Because I know for me, I remember thinking, like, sure, I've done third year stats. But how am I meant to apply that to like, that seemed like such a jump, Mm. but yes, you will have support in doing that. And that's where your supervisor can be super important. And Mm. we'll talk about the importance of your supervisor and that relationship in particular. Mm. But um, yeah, maybe as you've started touching on the competitiveness, maybe you can offer a bit of an explanation for why that is.
0: Yeah. I think the only reason why honors is Competitive. It's not that to become a psychologist, you need to be like insanely like an academic weapon and just get HDs all the time. It really comes down to demand and supply. So when you think about it, undergrad can take on many psych students because you've got one tutor for 30 to 50 students and one lecturer for 100 students. So the only real labor comes in when you're marking those individual assignments, but those can be done in the marker's own time and is more flexible in terms of how that's done and doesn't have to happen within working hours. And although universities They've moved towards multiple choice exams, fewer assignments and quizzes to kind of make this more economical to take on more students at that undergrad level. However, when you get into honours, part of that fundamental experience is doing a project alongside a supervisor. And because there are a limited number of supervisors available to supervised students, we see this enormous bottleneck for the number of spots that are available for students so it's been really nice to actually see some unis being more creative and trying to increase the spaces available by doing those group supervision projects because we need more spots because we need more psychologists you know so by incorporating kind of those group supervision projects you can have more spots and more places available but yes, also having that great like that really high grade expectation based on this demand and supply. We see so many students getting funneled out who I I personally think would make really great um, psychologists or at least have the qualities to make a great psychologist. So yeah, that yeah, really sad to no, see. No,
1: I um I agree with this one so much. We were just talking before about some research that I've seen about essentially the correlation between Your fourth year grade point average and your subsequent competencies as a master's or basically an early career psychologist. Mm. And in that research, it was kind of looking at the fact that grade point average was not a great predictor of your subsequent ability to develop these competencies. Mm. It was other factors, which I can't remember all off the top of my head, but things like your reflective capacity, which is why you will probably see them emphasizing reflection and becoming a reflective practitioner throughout your honours year in different in different ways already during the honours sorry during the undergraduate degree but um i just think that's an example there are so many people you meet who they're such warm empathetic mm. and emotionally intelligent people mm. but that may not necessarily reflect their academic capacities mm. for one of a million reasons so yeah it's completely true
0: so what are the entry requirements to getting into honours I think your honours journey starts before you even enter honours, to be honest. Absolutely. Because you have to achieve quite a high standard of marks to be considered. And yeah, for me, I had to achieve at least a 70% average because the bachelor program I went to had like spots reserved for the Bachelor of Psychology. So as long as we achieved 70% in some core subjects, so this was at Monash, I don't know if it's still the case there, but that was my experience so I got above that 70% but that just guaranteed that I could get in
1: and then in contrast to that I didn't have that did a three-year undergraduate and it meant that I had to subsequently apply to all the different universities to get in and so it was just based on what my grade point average was when I finished and hopefully that was enough to be selected into those cohorts which thankfully it was
0: what did that application process look like because for me it was a form we just like ticked a bunch of things saying that these are the areas that we're interested in if you have prior relationships with researchers enter that in and then we would just send it off and they would compare it with our grades and if like it matched up they would let us in what was yours like
1: yeah quite similar from what I can remember which Mm. doesn't mean much because I can't remember a whole heap of it but I can remember yeah I believe attaching my academic transcript And and really, I remember wanting to be able to explain certain aspects, like if there was certain units that I didn't do as well in as I wanted to or whatnot and being like, oh, this doesn't reflect my potential or something like that.
0: I was like going through a lot at the time, but unfortunately, there's not that space to do that.
1: It'd be nice. You know, I understand that there are different, um, you know, research requirements. It would be nice if there was capacity to include like a personal statement or Mm. something like that to be able to paint a full picture but maybe hopefully one day
0: hopefully one day
1: yeah i guess going ahead let's get into some more practical stuff hey
0: yeah so i want to talk about things that i did before even starting honors like i mentioned your honors journey starts before you even get there um so things that practical things that we did to make our year easier for us so one thing that i did was tell my work at the start of the year I am planning on taking off a month in October um, and I gave them enough notice so they could make sure they had enough people during that time. And the last thing you want is getting to October, realizing that I need a couple of solid weeks to get through this last final push and then having your work say that you can't take time off. Like that would be the worst position to be in. I yeah, so I think figuring out okay, can my work accommodate this? If not, it's probably a good time to start looking at some backup, like options to get yeah. yourself through financially. Um, but that's that was be my first tip, I think, for making honors easier.
1: Yeah, and I I know another component of that we were talking about was even with your own schedule, looking at how if that is money that you obviously need to survive. Mm looking at how you can work around your university schedule so that you're still making that sort of money that you need, but perhaps in different ways. So if there are times where you have more capacity working harder then and obviously not working as hard, particularly maybe when you're about to submit a thesis because we both had that. As well as that, I think just broadly, this kind of reflects something I was thinking about expectation setting Mm. because that's what you did with your work. You're going, you know, just so you know, this is the reality of my Mm. circumstances And I think that applies in any context because for me, I was fortunate. I had quite flexible work. I was doing volunteering at Lifeline and things like that um, where I had some control over my schedule. Mm. And so I didn't need to be as perhaps assertive about going, oh, I cannot work this time. But it was going to them in in some capacity going, just so you know, like this is my honours year. It's a really high workload. It's really demanding. I may not be able to work as strenuously as I Perhaps previously would, and it's just setting those expectations so that mm. everyone's on the same page. It probably translates to a bunch of different contexts, even with friends. Mm. Just so you guys know, really busy at the moment, so if I'm a little bit AWOL or a little bit, you know, unreachable, it's probably just because I'm in a hold on my thesis or something. Mm. So setting those expectations with your family
0: as well. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. Understand. Yeah,
1: if you're being a little bit, you know, letting the team down and chores in your house, then they maybe have an understanding of why and that it will come back around
0: yeah that's me during masters i've told my housemates like i'm so sorry i can't really help with like cleaning as much anymore i'm just trying to get through these next few weeks and they're so lovely and beautiful and understanding and so yeah yeah
1: because it comes with so much guilt i know it's weird
0: yeah but they've been great um
1: yeah all right you had you had another tip you were telling me about the um
0: Master's applications. Yes. So surpri- to Josh's surprise last episode, I said that oh. I started writing my application, my master's this is, applications. This is
1: brilliant. This is actually genius.
0: Yeah. At the start of the year. So when I, after my holidays, when my brain was like not clogged, I was, <laughs> I was like mentally doing great, just come out of like a long holiday. I started writing my personal statements and just making a spreadsheet with the different places that i wanted to apply for what the requirements were to apply the dates that i had to apply that kind of thing and setting that up for myself to remove that cognitive load during that peak october time and i mean i was i probably completely redid my personal statement when it came time to october but the fact that i had something there just took that pressure away from me and i yeah it was one of the best things that i did
1: yeah i i felt dumb for not doing this when you told me i was like oh that's of course like why wouldn't i have done that but um it does reflect other things that i probably did Mm -hmm. so we were talking about something we both did which is anything that we had capacity to do earlier Mm -hmm. or get started on earlier doing it so one thing to explain quickly is when you're doing a thesis project you'll probably have to get ethical approval to conduct that study to make sure that everything is safe and Conducted for the right reasons and whatnot, and it can be a, it can be a pretty arduous process. Mm. Um, they can take a long time to get back to you. They can have revisions that you have to make, and then it's another long time. And you can't time.
0: start collecting participants until you have that ethical approval.
1: So it can really step back your whole project for the year. Mm. But that is an example of one thing where at the start of the year, when things weren't fully hectic yet you could get in and get as much of a dent into that as possible. So that, all right, bang, got that off early in the queue for getting hopefully ethic approval. And it just sets you up to have a lot more capacity, hopefully for the rest of the year. So yeah. I think in general, it may depend on what your uni schedule and structure looks like, depending on where you are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But look for those opportunities to do something early. You Did you have another one that you were...
0: I was just going to add to that. When you are submitting your ethics approval... As soon as you get your project, go onto the uni's, whatever the ethics board committee is, and they have certain dates that you will have to submit your approval before, the deadline before they take time off to review them and then come back. So if you miss the cutoff, you're probably going to have to wait an extra two weeks. So finding what that date is, the first one available, talking to your supervisor, and this will really impress them. Be like, the next approval date is on this date, so I want to work towards getting my ethics in before then can you help me do that um w- what are the steps and perhaps you can do a little research on what those steps are we'll talk about this actually in the ne- next yeah. episode and then work towards that that will really impress your supervisor and they'll be like great this person's committed this yeah. person's dedicated and also you get your ethics done so you can start recruiting
1: you a great initiative and i also think it hits that marker of like the that saying of work fills the time It's allowed. So if you say, you know, I want to get my ethics in by this date, you're probably going to be able to get it done faster than if you go, oh, I've got eight weeks. I can Mm. do this progressively. And then it can really drag out longer than it needs to. Exactly. And in
0: that same vein, we had a coding subject and there were these online modules that were worth like 10% of our grade and it probably would have been better I guess to do it whilst I was learning at each step but I just went ahead and like smashed them out to have one thing off my to-do list and then I'd go back to it if I needed to to help me with while I was doing my coding and writing um, my script but yeah that was just a little side note Um, I'm really annoyed because I have these moleskin planners that I have bought since year 12 and they're like my ride or die and it had all of the things that I did during honours so I'm hoping that I'll be able to get that and do my, an honours year in review or something. We're also thinking of doing a, like a 2023 year in mm. review at the I'll end of the year. I will definitely
1: do that. I was considering just then whether we should include as part of our thesis breakdown episode. Mm. Also touching maybe a little bit on that master's application mm. and just adding a little bit of context for people on how you can set yourself up well for getting a good application
0: That's in. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point.
1: But anyway, we've got one more kind of big marker we want to hit. Yes. And then maybe we can wrap this one up.
0: Cool. So establishing a good supervisor relationship, this is key. Do you have any tips, firstly, Josh, for doing this, or what have you have you put much thought to this to this one?
1: <laughs> there are a lot of ways you can go about it, but before I do that, I will just say, I do think that this is unbelievably key. Mm. One thing which I would tell people who are going into honors is. Yeah, it is super important to follow something you find interesting and passionate about because it'll make the work more enjoyable. But in saying that, I do know people who did that and they followed the topics that were most interesting. And unfortunately for them, that meant they they got matched up with a supervisor who they weren't a great fit with. Mm -hmm. So I guess my very first tip, take it or leave it, is make a wise decision about the supervisor you're going to be working with. Mm. They are the people who are going to be helping you and supporting you through this process. Some of them might be more independent in nature and saying, look, I'll give you guidance when you need, but I'm not looking to sort of baby someone through mm. other people are going to be a lot more hands on. I know for me, that's what I felt like I needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't want someone who was going to leave me kind of out to dry and figure it out. And I kind of base my selection on that. And I, was really, really happy with my decision. Um, I had a great relationship with my supervisor and I think that that is a really massive factor for why I was able to do well on the thesis.
0: Same here. I, I found my supervisor. I was looking at them and I found her on LinkedIn. Firstly, I really liked the research and her values and the message that she had behind what she was working towards. And she had a lot of like awards on her like LinkedIn for specifically like, supervisor like relationship type thing so that made me feel really confident also she was a brown girl or brown woman um and so I was like ah yes this is like the perfect perfect one like supervisor for me so that made me feel really comfortable and I felt like I was understood I was like heard I was yeah it was amazing and also my my other supervisor who I had Shana and Winnie um Dr. Winnie and Dr. Shana, I should say their like their actual titles, but they were just so just brilliant supervisors and the whole team. And I think I got so lucky. Um, I think one thing I did to show, I guess, give them a reason to, to want to like me. I was very, especially in those first few weeks, I was very proactive. I would show up in person you know there is that thing that you will drop off the face of the earth as you go through semester so there's no expectation to always be there especially if you have work and other commitments to survive um but just showing that I was dedicated I was interested really helped because these are the people that will be providing you feedback they will be the ones helping you so yeah just making sure that you establish that good yeah, connection you
1: want them on your side and I think something which is a uh, you kind of brought up being a good point there kind of making sure you're on your the same page with your supervisor on kind of the expectations of how you're going to work together so how often are you going to meet up how are those going to look so do you have an agenda when you go into each of those meetings Mm. are you doing them in person are you doing them online for me i think the more consistency you can get there that can actually make things a lot easier for both parties because you don't want to waste energy and effort kind of figuring out when you're going to meet next Mm. if you can establish that consistency of going why don't we you know i have classes on a monday why don't we meet at three o'clock after my class monday each week or each fortnight Um, i'll set it in my calendar as a recurring meeting Mm. Um, i'll bring an agenda of the things that i'm having
0: agenda's good
1: yeah absolutely so yeah i think that's um that's a great thing if you can establish that it's one less thing on your mind
0: did you meet on a weekly basis
1: I can't recall. It was pretty frequent. It you was either week. Anything from <laughs> I've blocked <laughs> it all out, out at this point. <laughs> but um, actually, something
0: I met on a weekly basis with my supervisor, and then had a lab meeting on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah. Well, something I was actually going to say. That I think can be an important distinction because a lot of people will go, "Oh, I want to show how hardworking I am and mm. like how many questions I have." Mm. That's great. That is amazing, but make sure that you're saving those sorts of things for the big ticking questions that you do need help with because you don't want to spend too much time asking questions that you maybe could have found the answers to both for you and your supervisor's sake. Mm. If you can go and show the work that you've been able to figure out and then go, you know, I've been able to do this, I've been able to do this, I think this part is going well, However, I'm really struggling here.
0: Mm, It's like that ethics thing, right? Instead of waiting for your supervisor to tell you what the dates are, be like, I found this date. This is what we require for it. How are we going to do that? Like what's, what do I have to
1: do? In a nutshell, it's initiative. Mm -hmm. Initiative without wasting anyone's time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's for me, I'm sure you have more to add, but I think for me that's That's kind of the nutshell of it. Yeah. Okay. We've got a handful of questions here but we'll save a couple for the next part of the episode and we might just answer a couple now. Mm -hmm. To begin with, a question which was asked by Kate, what is a first-class honours and how many people get a first-class honours?
0: Great question. So the first-class honours can depend what uni you're at. So at my uni, it was getting above 81%, I believe. What about you, Josh?
1: I think it was getting over an 85%. So I know for it was getting a 6.5 or greater GPA Mm. out of seven.
0: It's that's pretty, that's pretty rough. How many people get a first class honours?
1: Well, here's the interesting thing. Compared to high school when there's that bell curve that you get marked against, there is no bell curve. So everyone in honours can do can do well. Everyone can get a first class honours technically. And what I think is so important about that is the fact that when you're working with your friends, you're not competing with them. Mm. So you can actually, and I know it sounds like everyone should be doing this, but you can actually help all of your friends and lift each other up and it's not going to cost you cost you your grades in terms of, oh, well, now they're doing better than me or whatnot. Mm. You can all get a first class honours.
0: And I feel like the best way to learn is to help other people as well. So it just kind of helps everyone. Um, cool. What about the next question?
1: Okay. Now, Ebony asks, how many days a week is the honours commitment and is there placement? Do you want to take this one?
0: So for my honors there was no placement?
1: No, there was no placement for my honors either.
0: I know that some honors project like honors years do have placements as part of them, which is pretty interesting because you've already got a pretty heavy workload and to do placement could be a lot, but it's also good to get that experience before you um
1: Yeah, I've start. actually I have heard about this in terms of it's more of an observational placement yeah. where you go and you observe how it sort of works. And to be honest, I do love the idea of getting that experience. I'm just I guess I'm curious how that works in the honours timeline being as busy as it is, but okay. it is important thing to get. So,
0: Yeah, if you can just be realistic with your um, placement supervisor to say that I can only do these days and this is why they should hopefully understand. In terms of how many days a week it is, it pretty much varies, but I think I was working at least like nine to five every day for my honours at some point. Like it wasn't in that nine to five schedule, but you know, after hours, before hours, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, look, the reality is this is gonna differ person to person. We've talked about this a lot. Some people, they find that by having other commitments, it means that they have to get their work done in less time. I know that's sort of how you operate. And that is a huge, that's a huge win, I think, that you can do that. Frankly, for me, I, I think I probably did spend... A lot more time than the average person getting through honors and there are reasons for that it's how I work it's not ideal but it's the reality of it so Mm -hmm. I think the important thing is maximizing your efficiency and not comparing yourself to other people in your cohort because there are going to be people who say you know I finished that assignment when Mm -hmm. you have taken twice as long to do it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so don't compare yourself to them Compare yourself to where you were before. Get as efficient as you can possibly be and that's the best chance you will of, I guess, succeeding.
0: And there are periods of time where I did barely any honours work in a week and there are some where I did like an insane amount. So it does fluctuate during the year as well.
1: Yeah, and I also think that's where the self-compassion comes in. You know, there are going to be times that you do well and there's going to be times that you struggle more. And if you don't have self-compassion, then you're going to really criticise yourself for them and it might just make things harder. So having self-compassion to go, that wasn't that wasn't a very impressive day but that's okay i'll come back tomorrow and i'll do well
0: mm, and your grades aren't your worth it doesn't determine your value as a person
1: yeah and i'm not even sure it determines your value as a psychologist despite no. the requirements no all right well our i opinion reckon on that. Yes. yeah yes that is our opinion Yes. but um i reckon that's a pretty good spot to wrap it up we've gone a bit over time cuz i think we had a Let's a long talk. mental status at yeah, the start oh, sorry.
0: But thank you so much, everyone, for listening and leaving those ratings and reviews oh, and messages.
1: Yeah, thank you so, so oh. much for the ratings. It's blown us away. I will still pluck it and say if you're listening and you haven't, it does mean the world to us it seeing those ratings. And it helps us obviously get this out there and grow this and hopefully mean that we can improve the quality. Yep. To, ev- to everyone who said that we should get a second microphone, I'm on it. We're I'm on working it. on it. I promise. <laughs> Um, yeah it's just been Too really busy yeah this hasn't been the time but it it's, be
0: sad getting a second microphone we're gonna feel so distant all of a sudden <laughs> no. yeah. but you know again if you want to reach out to us the best place is at uh, mental status podcast um, on Instagram or you can email us through mentalstatuspodcast at gmail.com thank you again everyone for your time and we hope to see you next time
1: alright thanks guys thank
0: you bye <laughs>